Hi, hello, and welcome to a new episode of Release. I'm your host, Adriana, and I'm so honored and grateful that you've taken the time to listen to what I have to say. Today, I'm going to talk about something that is... Um, I know it might be triggering for some people, so I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. Like, if you can't listen to the whole episode, that's okay, but I'm going to try my best to use um, non-triggering language because I'm trying my best to create a space of vulnerability for myself, which also creates a space for you to be able to feel less alone in your own feelings because as you see somebody else begin to open up even if you don't say anything you also begin to open up because we are mirrors of each other Um, but it is suicide prevention month and I wanted to talk about um my experience um with it with like growing up in this kind of like society where you're seeing younger and younger people committing i'm gonna refer to it as committing um kind of you know obviously growing up in the church and the view of it there um yeah yeah we'll start with the church part um so obviously well maybe not obviously for some people but in christianity committing suicide is a sin um I'm sure it is a sin in a lot of religions, now that I'm thinking about it, but um, it's considered a sin, it's like an automatic go straight to hell card. And when I was younger and um, my mom would find like a diary entry um, of me even alluding to... um, wanting to necessarily not exist anymore she would tell me that a i was selfish and b i want to go to hell i must want to go to hell um that's why i'm having these thoughts she's never had those thoughts and blah 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 and i hear that kind of rhetoric a lot in christian circles even if it's not said the way that she said it, it's kind of implied that um, your will to live or your fear of hell should overcome your will to give up. I don't know how to word it specifically, but it's like, What's actually happening within you doesn't really matter. You have to abide by um, by these fears. And this is why I don't necessarily 
subscribe to western religion anymore like the bible as a book actually let's let's backtrack that not the bible as a book no um jesus as a person regardless of if you believe that he existed or not he was um one of the great teachers and he has a lot of teachings and i've been listening to podcasts and they've been saying that um when you really think about it and i've been thinking about this a lot but when you really think about it um jesus spoke in metaphors and the bible is one big book of metaphors um this is just what they said because a lot of people subscribe to that literature a lot of people um that is their truth and their way so i'm not trying to like shit on it i'm just saying that um there are some things that are mystical that could have just been metaphors maybe they actually did happen maybe some of the things actually did happen but they're just saying that um it's metaphorical like a lot of um like the bible is like one big proverb basically um yeah if you look at it like that like um they're like okay there's a buddhist proverb and there's a this and there's a that but if you um really break things down and begin to connect things to your spirituality and signs that are given in the in the bible can be cross-referenced into spiritual other eastern texts and you can see um you can see the correlation you can see how they are metaphors but um i digress when you grow up in an environment like the church um christianity where already being depressed is frowned upon because why are you depressed you have the grace of the lord um and then um on top of that it's like you also can't kill yourself i mean i'm sorry you also can't commit because um because you're gonna go to hell it's all it's all this like fear mongering of forcing you to be everything but human it's literally conditioning you to be uncomfortable at all at all times you have to make sure that you speak a certain way that you act a certain way that you blah blah blah. and of course morals are important and of course being a quote-unquote good person whatever that looks like to you is important but it shouldn't be fear-mongering it should be something that you decide consciously that you want to change so you seek out the deficiencies in yourself you seek out where you kind of lack and then you work to make those things better you work to come to equilibrium but if you fear monger the person's never going to change they're simply going to learn how to hide that's exactly what i did i think that i i can't remember the first time that i um 
that I necessarily felt like, oh, I'm sad, really. But I remember the the first time where it was like a violent thought. I remember, um, I think I was in 7th or 8th grade, I think. Um, and... I had gone to the movies with a friend and we had, it was two people and me and the other girl had gone to the third girl's house to um, wait for her to get ready and then we were going to go to the movies together, but she didn't like taking the bus. So we had to wait for her mom to do what she was doing and then drop us. So we went to a later movie, obviously, and I got home late. Um, And I remember I got home and I think my mom yelled at me because I got home late. And I remember crying and screaming. And I was like, I'm such a bad, um, like in my head, I was like, I'm such a bad um, child. Like my mom trusted me, blah, blah, blah. And it was like all of these thoughts were like bubbling up in my head and I felt so defeated like I literally felt as though I had ruined so much for her in that moment and it's a very intense thought to have as how old are you in eighth grade a 13 year old um yeah and I I, now that I look back on it, it it felt like because my parents' standards for me were so high in all areas of my life. Like, I've talked in earlier episodes, I've talked about how I used to go to school seven days the week, like, straight. Like, it was all school. Um, There's always a lesson, there's always a class, there's always something, and I'm always being kept at a specific um, level. Like, in school, it's always, you got 99, why didn't you get 100? It's not, congrats on the 99, it's, why didn't you get 100? I remember one time, um, I don't remember if I've told the story before, but if I have, enjoy the story. Um, when I was in third grade, my, um, I did a test, and I got a 98 on the test, and my teacher called my mother in because I got a 98 and told her that I made a silly mistake because the last two points were for a question that she knows that I know the answer and I could have gotten a hundred on it and my mom yelled at me and this teacher and my mom yelled at me for getting a 98 and that's kind of that's the standard that I am always or I, I was always being held to when I was going to school or when I was in, let's call it grade school. Um, and in every single way, in the way that um, I presented myself to the world, um, I had to be crisp obviously have to be crisp and clean but it was like to another level like there is like a screw like a scrutinizing of um 
you can't wear this kind of clothes, you can't do this, you can't do that. Like, I own one pair of sweatpants. Actually, two. One that I got in eighth grade that has holes in it. I'm pretty sure I just threw it out. Um, And then another one that was a gift. I don't like I when I was younger I wasn't allowed to it was only jeans when I was going out um or it was just like a specific standard so then as I got older I held myself to that standard um I have to be put together I remember um a partner that I had um he would get he was the one that bought me the the jeans the the oh my god the sweats um he would get mad at me because he was like you you're never comfortable um i want you to be comfortable when you come to see me blah 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 because i would get ready like i would properly get ready just to go to his house and his house was like 15 minutes away because I was taught that I had to look very presentable at all times. So that's just exactly what I had conformed to. That's just what I had become really early in life. Um, And he was very insecure because his thought pattern was, why are you getting dressed up? Who are you getting dressed up to see? You're coming to my house, which means that you should just look comfortable because the only time anybody's going to see you is from the time that you, you know, leave your house to the time that you get to my house kind of thing. It was very much a jealousy issue. But um, my mom would yell at me when I wore the sweatpants in public. She'd be like, why do you look like that? You look like you don't have a home, blah, 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 whatever. Um, but again, I'm getting sidetracked. Um because of that standard that I was held to in all spheres of life, like, I kind of, I got really, really hard on myself, and I started feeling um, suicidal really, really early in life. Um, I have a lot of poems that I've written um, poetry is a very good, I like to write my poems in my notes, or when I write them down, I write the date. It's a very good way of, um, tracking your growth. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, so I would, I would write about these feelings that I had. Um, obviously, I wouldn't show them to anybody, but... It, it's terrifying to look back and see the kind of emptiness that I had developed. I was walking around very, very sad high grades, but um, basically empty on the inside. And I remember um, when I was in high school, my friends getting diagnosed with depression and I was always like it's I'm not that bad like 
I I'm literally overdiagnosing myself like I I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I I knew like my friends were fine too, obviously. But they were experiencing from the outside looking in, I felt this kind of pain to see my friends get a diagnosis like that at so young and see it on their faces like I could see the sadness I could see the weight on their faces and in my head I was because I had I think it was in probably started in high school I started avoiding mirrors Uh, it got a lot worse um maybe four three four years ago it got um worse um now we're we're getting better now we like mirrors now we like to look at ourselves i like to take pictures in reflective surfaces because it reminds me that now i am looking at myself like before i really i used to avoid mirrors unless i was doing my makeup or whatever and it's just now i'm realizing how pretty my face is like I look at my face and I'm like oh look at all my little freckles look at this look at that my eyes are so blah 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 blah. but then before I wouldn't really be looking at my face I would use a lot of filters this year I um I stopped using filters completely I don't edit my pictures I just post them post them with um all the imperfections because it's important to me to be able to love the version of myself that I'm presenting to the world. If I have a skewed version of what I am, the filter, um, in some ways I'm lying to myself. Obviously that's not the same for everybody. That's just me being me um, and my personal feelings. But um, yeah, I started writing about feeling really really sad and I never really told anybody I just thought that it was you know sadness sadness is sadness Um, and then when I was in 11th grade 11th grade is when um, I think it all came crashing down that was the first time um, I had um, grade 11 academic math statistics no not statistics no 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 functions advanced functions or no 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 regular functions that class my teacher was not the best um let's just say i'm not gonna call his name but if you know you know um yeah he was not the best and i just wasn't learning anything in his class when it started to get complicated i literally just blanked out and that was the first time I had failed a test. I cried. And he said he wanted to see my parents. And I cried for so long. I told this man. I was like, I do not fail things. I don't think you understand. My parents are going to kill me. And he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I want to see them. I was like, you do not understand. My parents are going to kill me. And he... um he arranged the meeting and my parents went of course and I was there and they just degraded me in front of the teacher and he just watched 
and I just sat there and they just three adults just yelled at me well not three the teacher didn't yell but three adults staring at you in your moment of failure accusing you of whatever they were accusing me of and I completely lost it before that meeting I um I think this was in the first semester yeah um after that meeting I just mm -mm. I think the meeting was at lunch or maybe I had gotten the test at lunch and then he wanted to see my parents like the next day or something um but at lunch I just lost it I cried for an hour straight I was at lunch and I just couldn't I couldn't stop crying I felt like a failure I felt like I'd rather go anywhere but home I was a wreck and then um yeah as I said the meeting was awful and then the next semester I was in a class and a teacher came to get me and was like oh not it no the guidance counselor came to get me and um she said that there were some teachers that were worried about me and um And she thought that we should have a conversation. So we talked. And I remember telling her that I feel like everybody would be happier if I just wasn't alive. And um, I remember telling her, I'm like, you cannot tell my parents. You cannot tell them. Please do not tell them. And, um, she told them, and my parents have, or my mom at least, used to do this thing where she would go through my phone, um, and she would go through text messages, like, she would scroll all the way up to the top of the text field and read everything, um, and she'd take my phone away for some reason, um, And my parents told me that I, well, I mean, obviously she told them what I had said because I'm literally 17 um, and 17 or 18. Um, Yeah. And um, this is the shit that I'm telling them. It's like, obviously they're concerned. So they tell my parents, I think I might have been 17 because I wasn't, yeah, 17. Um, and they told me that the reason why I wanted, I told her that is because they took my, she took my phone away. Like, there was no sympathy at all. It was just, oh, this must be about something that I have done because I am a bad parent, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and then first year university second year ooh 
a lot of things happened a lot of um, very hard heavy hitting things and maybe on one episode I'll talk about some of those things but we'll just deal with one thing at a time Um, a lot of things happened um, during COVID and I was getting worse and worse and more depressed and I felt like I was a literal ghost I felt like I was on autopilot I felt like nothing around me was real that's another reason why I had stopped really looking in mirrors because when I looked at myself I didn't recognize myself my eye bags were so 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 deep I looked like a ghost I literally looked like I was dying um and I um I just stopped looking in the mirrors because I just couldn't face myself. Um, And then I started to um, disassociate. I wouldn't really... um, I I talked about this last episode, I think. But um, I would sort of, like, be somewhere, get up for the day, be like, okay, I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready. I'm somewhere and somehow I'm monitoring what I'm doing and I'm present enough. But then when I really clock into my consciousness, I'm like back in bed or something. Like the days, the time just doesn't, the time just doesn't feel real. Um, And when you begin to question how real you are because of how numb you feel, um, that takes a, a very strong toll on you. And before, um, before, or I guess when things started to get, um, quite rough, I started to go a little bit on the extreme when it came to um, smoking weed of course in particular Um, and I would be high all the time I would be high all the time the higher I could get the better I was essentially trying to k-word myself Um, but if it was an OD then it wasn't that bad Right, like I, I just it wasn't. I don't think it was conscious, but I. Now that I'm talking about it, I knew it was unhealthy, and I knew something was wrong. But I, I just there was really no there was no other outlet because I couldn't go to my parents. Um. I. I didn't, I felt alone. I couldn't really, I can't express how that feels. And I was very mis-independent. And I still am, of course, but I'm trying more to rely on people and to talk and to be vulnerable about things because I'm realizing it helps people. And it also builds connection, of course. No man is an island. Uh, Yeah. And that didn't work, and I saw and COVID, COVID hit, 
and I was sort of locked in these walls by myself, I started to lose it. I really started to wake up every morning and stare at the walls, and it felt like, it felt like, it literally felt like a prison. There's nowhere to run. I just had to sit in the pain, and it hurt a lot. It hurt a lot. It felt like there was burning, just day in, day out. I try my best to stay in my room, try my best to not be seen. Um, And it was only when we were stuck in the house that my mom noticed that something was actually wrong. Um, But, whatever. And then, COVID kind of, like, the mandates sort of lifted. And... Um, we could go, I remember I used to go to work very, um, it was really my only outside time, you know, I would go outside and even then I still felt claustrophobic. Even when I was outside, I would still feel like, I don't know, I would still feel like I was so hollow but I was like, I don't have, I don't have a good description for this, and that is such a really lonely feeling. I think that's the best way to describe it. It feels like, <sighs> it feels like life is living you in a sense, like things are happening. You have no control. That's how normal life is. But this feels more like you're so light. Anything can knock you down. And it feels like you're just being knocked down over and over and over and over and over and over. And it just, it's very disheartening. Because I remember during the beginning of quarantine, a lot of, um, things that happened, and I just, I remember having this thought, and I had it, I've been having it a lot, or I had it a lot after the the initial time, um, is that I wish things would slow down, like, my world is crumbling, but things never stop moving, and now that I'm saying that again, it's really helping me to gain some perspective on what that actually means. Like, you need to, this is a little side note, but you need to prioritize yourself. Prioritize your needs. Prioritize what you need to do. Only do the things that you need to and the things that you know will help you in the long run that thing that you need to do that you're procrastinating start you have to start or you'll never start because even though you're procrastinating the time is passing you are pushing away something that could be so beautiful and so fulfilling why are you so scared as a little side note um maybe a little note to myself too but that's 
really how I felt. I felt like world, the world was going so fast and my world was crumbling. And I was trying my absolute best to grip on. I was trying my best to not fall off the boat, but the boat was rocking. The seas were real stormy. Um, but yeah. And then um, the first time that I... Um, I don't know, one night I came home and I, it was a lot. It felt like a lot. I I didn't know what to do. Um, and um, I had a bunch of pills. I forget what name they, what name they have, but they were um, antidepressants and I hated them. They made me feel really nauseous. They were gigantic and they were the ones that you can shake the capsules they were terrible um and i took like half the bottle and um i fell asleep i was so over what life was offering me i I just, I just wanted it to not be like this. Like, if I had to live life, I didn't want my life to feel this way. Because that's not living. That's just existing. And it's really exhausting. Even though you're not doing anything. But the energy that you have to live is so, so, so small. But, yeah, I took the pills. And I was like, if this is the end, then... I love my parents, I'm sorry. Um, I love my friends, I'm sorry. Um, I did a little prayer um, for all of the people that I love. Um, that they would heal after I was gone and I fell asleep. Um, and I remember feeling really, I was very high. I remember feeling really, really calm. It, it kind of felt like I was on a sea but it was just like slowly lulling me like I I yeah and then I woke up a few hours later and I threw up I'm sorry if that triggers I know people have hematoma 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 the fear of throwing up um but I hate I also hate it so it was a lot for me um and it took a lot out of me mentally because i wake up and i have to face the fact that i tried and failed and now i have to face the world i have to keep facing the world um yeah and (sighs) after attempting um people say oh you have like an outlook a better outlook on life um afterwards uh you feel you're so thankful to be alive i did not after it happened right after it happened i can be honest i did not feel um happy to be here at all i felt frustrated because i was like listen I I can't take it anymore. 
afterwards I, I felt like I was going crazy I was like I can't take this anymore I can't do it I can't do it there's just there's just too much for me to do and I am I am very scared I would never like not very scared but the only way that I could think of that would be the least traumatizing would just be falling asleep you know versus whatever else there is that would be a lot for whoever found me to handle it'd be a lot less traumatizing I would assume but anyway um now a few years later I I feel a bit more thankful that I'm still alive because I know that The universe is teaching me, source, the divine, whatever you believe in, whatever you refer to your higher power as, they are looking down on you, on me, on all of us with so much love. And sometimes we, again, if you believe in reincarnation, sometimes we have, you know, contracts or things from past lives or whatever the case may be. We have really heavy things that are put on us. And there's no reason, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And you have to learn this this lesson from this thing that you feel like is going to destroy you. I'm not saying that I'm quote-unquote better because mental health is a journey and sometimes things still get really hard and sometimes I have um, really bad breakdowns sometimes I have panic attacks whatever but I'm saying that now I can sort of not right now the way that I see death um, is very different Uh, right now I see all of those heavy, heavy moments as deaths. I see them as me being so empty. Because I said I felt like a ghost. That means I was already dead. And then when you start feeling better, when you start feeling like things are moving along, when you start feeling hope, you're being reborn and I've called it the dark night of the soul before you can call um this death a dark night of the soul but it's like I'm starting to see life as this cycle when you look around you and you look at nature nature exists in a cycle I've talked about this too in new beginnings and endings just like we have right now we're um approaching fall um, you have your seasons after fall comes winter and then spring and summer and fall and it just keeps going around. That's how I feel like our lives kind of exist. It's like you have this beautiful new beginning 
and then things keep going things keep going and it may not be it's not going to be like a, a a full circle like the um or like a definite circle like the like the seasons i feel like ours would have you know some little some little um breaking off points little cycles on their on the side um because i feel like something's good something good comes into your life you have a new beginning and you're moving along you're moving along you're moving along and then you come to a crossroads that's like do you need to let go of this thing if it's a yes then what do you need to change in your life and then another cycle begins and when you end that cycle now you can move on with your life and then it continues around and around and around but when i pay attention to that i realize that i don't necessarily fear death anymore obviously after that experience and um after feeling so not great about life and sort of going through the dark nights and going through a lot of not great things it has made me realize that i've been through death as a human i haven't experienced or in this life i haven't experienced physical death that's only a one-time thing but right now i have died so many times that i i don't fear physical death anymore um i sort of try my best to live for right now because i don't know what 10 years from now is going to look like and when you pay attention to the right now of things even if things aren't great what are the good things about today right now i'm looking out the window and my neighbor has a beautiful sunflower garden and my favorite flowers are sunflowers and it's right in front of my bedroom window I'm looking at it. It's beautiful. I love it. I can look at this to make me happy. Even if the world is crumbling right behind me. In this moment, I'm looking at a beautiful sunflower garden. And I'm happy. Or, oh my god, it's not that cold outside today. I can go for a walk. Or, wow, uh, my favorite celebrity just posted a new um a new song my favorite artist just posted a new song or oh my god there's this tiktok recommending me to read a book i'm gonna go find that book and read it whatever it is in that moment you find that specific thing always look for the good in the moment and you hold on to it because regardless of what is happening around you you need to check in with you check in with yourself make sure that you find even one second in your day to do something good for yourself something good for yourself maybe i don't know taking a bath it may be buying yourself some candy it may be i don't know buying maybe not buying you can do free things too maybe it's cleaning out your closet maybe it's 
texting a friend, whatever it is, you do that thing and spend that time feeling good in the moment because the good things are there to remind us that life isn't all bad. When you feel overwhelmed, it is not your job to keep pushing. It is your job to say, check in with yourself and say, hey self, we're feeling a bit overwhelmed. Humans should not be existing this way. We need to come back down, down into ourselves. We can try some grounding, try some breathing techniques, you can try journaling, whatever it is, but you need to release that energy so that you can come back to yourself and try to show up in front of those issues as your best self. So that you can fight the hard fight for as long as you can. And then you stop and you rest and you continue. And sometimes the overwhelming thing is not um, your mental health. Maybe it's school. School just started. Um, Maybe it's work. Maybe it's whatever the thing is that is causing you stress. If you're studying and it's overwhelming, you close the book for a second. If it's late, you sleep. If it's like during the day and you're like, okay, I've been studying for a while and I'm hungry, you go eat, you have to pee, you go pee. A lot of people just sit in front of their computer and are like, oh, I have to pee, but I'll wait. And then they end up hurting themselves, hurting their bladders, whatever. But please take time to check in with yourself and remember that you are very loved. Um, I love you. Um... I'm so, 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 so glad you're here. If you struggle with, you can reach out to me. You message me on Instagram at UnifySoul. If you have my number, text me. If you don't have anybody else, I'm here. Reach out to your friends, your family, people you trust, people you know, um, <clears throat> will be able to lovingly approach a situation, somebody that you feel safe with. Um, there are hotlines that you can call, there are hotlines you can text, there are online chats. Please, 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 you are not alone. I love you. You are very, very, very loved. I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye.